So that started the counter, which means that it must be the beginning of the October podcast. Hello, everyone. Hope you are well. So this podcast is a little bit late this month, um, mainly due to work commitments. There's been quite a lot of uh, copying and repair work, photography-wise, coming in, which is always great. I think people are realising that Christmas is not that far away, which it isn't. And they've decided that you know to get some Christmas presents done. And it's always interesting actually to see what people send through to me. Uh, it's it's social documentary is what it is really um it can be portraits shot in a studio or you know many years ago uh the ones that i was copying were shot in the 1970s by the clothing and the haircuts which were very familiar uh to me because i was a 70s kid and yeah i mean tank tops bad haircuts you know great stuff really and it was really nice to get those pictures sorted out for the client and i also find it rather um, it's rather an honor in a way because sticking valuable originals one-offs into an envelope and sending them through the post to someone is quite daunting it's you know you're sending them through to a complete stranger and even though i've got you know quite a few reviews on the site now I think some people, it's a bit of a step too far. I don't think they're willing to, to make that leap. Um, I always try and make sure that when the photograph's arrived, there's good communication. So I tell them about how uh, the photos have arrived and I always make sure that I inform them how long it will take. And then when they're being sent back, I will alert them that the fact that they're going to arrive the next day i always send the the prints by tracked 24 hour delivery which is you know the most expensive option but the reason why i do it is it gives me peace of mind and hopefully it gives the person a peace of mind as well um they always get emailed a tracking number so they can literally track it to their door which I think also is something that is essential when sending photographs through. It always makes me laugh, actually, to a certain extent, when I go to the post office and they ask two questions. First of all, they ask what it is. And the second thing that they always ask is what is the value? And that's a tricky one because they're not actually really worth anything. They're just basically bits of photographic paper. But to the person that I'm sending them back to, they're you know they're beyond value um you know you can't really insure for that because you know they're they're part of their history they're part of who they are um whether it's a photo of your granddad or your sister or your brother or your mum um i mean just over my just over my monitor, I've got um, a framed 6x4 picture of my mum that I took a few years ago when she was attending a wedding. And she really liked that picture. She hated having her, her photograph taken. Um, but she really did like that picture. Because uh, I think she, she thought that she looked sort of glamorous, which she does. But to anybody else that six by four print has got absolutely no value whatsoever outside of my immediate family um you know the most valuable thing about it 
is the frame and the frame is probably not worth anything either you know it's uh, an old frame that's been around the house you know a few years now so it's one of the ironies of photography that you can have something that is absolutely worthless and yet it is totally beyond value it is you know just off the scale when it comes to it, it's the kind of thing that people would grab if their house was on fire they wouldn't bother about you know a stack of money they would be bothered about grabbing their photo album to make sure that those photos you know didn't go up in smoke and uh you know that's the importance of photography really in uh, in those pictures and it's nice to be able to do when i'm doing copying jobs to extend the life of a lot of these images i always remember a few years ago i did a copying job for an old lady she'd be in her 80s then uh and she had one photograph of her mother and that photograph was gradually being destroyed by sunlight it was fading away i imagine that it's probably a blank piece of paper or certainly there's at least no detail on it anymore and i went and scanned it the detail immediately after flicking a few things in uh, photoshop the detail in her face and everything immediately came up and i was able to produce a photograph of her mother from this original um and you know i mean she was absolutely over the moon because I think she thought that, you know, there was no detail left in that, that photo. And to be honest, if you actually looked at it just with the ordinary eye, um, there wasn't. But once it was scanned and enhanced, the detail suddenly came back. But I would imagine that a couple of years later, probably three years, and certainly now, the the image would be totally gone beyond uh beyond repair i would think so it was caught just in time i always remember that um it was it was a great thing to be able to do to be able to do that for her so yeah we'll get on to some of the other bits and pieces um the website i'm just going to mention briefly basically the website there's going to be one or two things uh happening over the christmas period um one of them is to do with the the book that I meant I'm going to mention in a little bit, and that's uh, just moving around things in the menu when they've been released. Basically, the Two Towns book going to be released very soon, so that will be moved across to released. And the other thing that I want to try and get sorted out over the next few weeks is the Ben, which is my Scotland photography gallery taken on ben nevis so i want to try and get that published on the website by the end of the year if possible uh, so those are a couple of things there's also been one or two little changes to the website making the customer reviews a bit more obvious to try and encourage people to use a service like i was saying earlier about you know it, it is daunting sticking old photos into an envelope and sending them through to someone and hopefully these reviews will make it just a slightly easier decision for people to trust me to do the work which is what it's all about and uh, fortunately 
you know, I've had some really, really good review reviews. Um, not everybody does it. In fact, the vast majority of clients do not leave a review, which is rather sad. But when people do leave a review, it's it's always really appreciated. And um, they're always usually really good reviews as well. So I, I wanted to make them a bit more prominent. So one of the things that I've, I've put that in the, the contact information section um, just to encourage people to use it one of the things about the contact information uh section which i'm not totally happy with but i can't really think of any sort of like alternative is i don't actually have my any direct contact details listed there and the main reason for that is when i was first setting out as a photographer i advertised quite a lot i put my address onto my website and all it ever brought me was grief, uh, mainly from advertisers, cold callers. Uh, do you want to buy an advert? Would you be interested in having an advert with us? And you could guarantee that if you bought an advert with one place, your address and telephone number would end up somewhere else. And you end up with spam calling, uh, you know, cold calling for all sorts of different reasons. Do you want a website? Do you want a new domain name? You know, do you want to advertise with our newspaper? Blah, de, blah, de, blah. Um, it is very handy and for customers to be able to know exactly where you are and i do actually mention on that page where i am located which is concert in county durham but i don't actually specify my exact address until the client wants the work doing and that way it gives me a bit of privacy i know that the uh, address is not out there for everybody and sundry and also it's good for security as well because you know photographic equipment etc etc uh you don't really want your address out there for everybody to know where you are um especially if i'm away or so there are but the main reason is because of the the experience that i had from my, my last address down in north yorkshire where like I say, actually having the address on there, the disadvantages severely outweighed the benefits of um, having my email address on the, on the website. And, and like I say, you know, if you want to use me as a photographer or, you know, you want to send some images to me, we can have a conversation, you know, using email or even Zoom or something like that. But... And I will give my address uh, out there. But to actually have it on the website is not something that I want to do. Um, does it put people off? It probably might do. Um, but that's sadly just from, from my experience of the Internet is your address can end up absolutely everywhere. When I actually moved up, I had to go through and notify a whole lot of various different business lists that I hadn't actually submitted my address and telephone number to, but they'd just taken it from things like Yellow Pages and various of the different uh, bits and pieces that I'd advertised over the years in. And, um, yeah, it, it took... There was about three pages on Google 
that listed my old address down in North Yorkshire. And of course, I'd moved. So I wanted to make sure that, that old address wasn't listed for my company anymore. Uh, but that goes to show how, you know, you publish something on your website and it can be used by all sorts of people to send you absolute rubbish. And, uh, you know, life is too short for junk mail, isn't it? And spam emails. I mean, spam emails you can do something about, but junk mail, um, you can't, once your address is out there, you can't really do very much about it. Um, but, you know that's the way it is so if there are there are disadvantages for not having the address you know on the site it probably does put some people off but hey just send me an email say i'm interested in this you know i'd like to use you i will send my address through um and contact details mobile phone number home phone number everything it's just giving that extra level of privacy protection so um so yes there'll be some things going on with the website over the next uh, few weeks the book the two towns definitely planned for release hopefully before the end of the year but if it isn't by the end of the year it will certainly be within the first week of january but i really want to try and get it out round about christmas i noticed actually last night when i was editing it that it's five years exactly um since i was there taking those images uh What's the date today? It's the 26th. Uh, I think I was there from the 22nd to the 29th shooting those images back in 2015. So it is, you know, five years since I was up there. Very, very personal book, I've I've realised. Uh, probably the most personal book of all of the books that I've released so far even caught by the tide and sea sky sand and street and I think the main reason for this is I've been like caught by the tide this is to a certain extent also about how things can change um that trip to Edinburgh in 2015 was basically the last decent holiday that I had with all of my parents, both my parents, before the cancer kicked in with my mum the following year. Um, it was also a return to Edinburgh after a long time. I think the, the photos were shot in 2015 and the previous visit had been 1992. It's probably one of my biggest regrets is not going up to Edinburgh sooner uh, to have a look. It was a really 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 big gap and um so yeah there's a whole lot of things in there that are that are quite personal to me and when i was starting to write the introduction i realized that i needed to make that introduction quite personal and just talk about the journey and the photography and the people who were, i was photographing the locations so there's going to be me talking about there's a, a portrait of Jasper, the creepy conductor, who was the conductor on the ghost bus tour in Edinburgh, which was like a mobile theatre, a one man show on a double decker bus telling ghost stories. Uh, you were in the audience, but the audience was part of the show almost. You were going around, you were 
you know, being dropped off at graveyards and various different places. And, he's, and it was probably one of the best hours I've ever spent anywhere. It was hilarious. Um, and the way that it was done was fantastic. A blend of live people acting and recordings and video. Just fantastic. Fantastic show. Certainly something I would do again. Probably wouldn't be Jasper. He's probably a um, a surgeon or something now. But it's certainly um, oh, he's certainly a junior doctor, maybe. Um, you never know. He might even be an actor. But it was it was really a great show. And I took a photo of him then, which you know he's actually looking at me. So you know he's actually posing, and I really do like that. That's portrait there's there's actually one or two shots that were taken on the on the the ghost bus um which like i say was was really hilarious i mean even the music that was playing before we set off was was really creepy but amusing it was like if you can imagine really creepy christmas hits where they'd got the music from i do not know but it was it was just fantastic uh so there's going to be a bit of background about the about the images and that's probably going to run to about three pages just going through uh and just giving a bit of background about about the photography in the book and like i say i want to try and get it out uh get the book launched by the end of the year and then that's out and then i can start concentrating on getting the next one out this is the last book which uses photography shot on an iphone reached the end of that road um but you know it, i mean it was good it's sort of like the space of about five years if you include caught by the tide the books haven't been released in uh, in order of when they were shot uh caught by the tide was shot after uh the two towns but I think the two towns is a nice way of just completing that trilogy and then I can move on to creating uh, photography books around more regular forms of photography. But uh, yeah, I, it's, I'm really pleased with the way that the book's looking, which is important. So like I say, look forward to that uh, coming out. And when it does, I will probably record a special podcast, just having a look through the book and reminiscing about some of the, the photos. And um, But I think to get it out, the fifth anniversary, to get the book published, uh, fifth anniversary is going to be fantastic of, of that journey because it, it certainly was a really memorable um, trip up to Edinburgh. Uh, and I... It wasn't even off-putting that I got really hideous flu when I got back. It was actually starting to come through on the train. Uh, I was starting to, to feel a bit, you know, icky on the train. Coming back down, uh, I managed to dodge it all week. And fortunately, by the time that I was on the train heading back home. It was just starting to come out and the following day I felt absolutely rotten, but it was all right. I was back at home. I'd had that trip to Edinburgh. I'd had a great time and, uh, you know, I'd managed to dodge that bullet. So even the flu couldn't uh, knock me down in that. But it's, it's, yeah, it's a special book. 
Right, on to the links. And the first one I'm going to mention just briefly, because I have talked about this before, is Raymond De Depardon's uh, photographs of Glasgow in 1980 that he took for the Sunday Times magazine, but the photos were never published. This is on the BBC website. I have mentioned this before in a previous podcast. Um... But I'm going to mention it again because I absolutely love these images. I think they probably resonate with me because I was brought up in the northeast. Uh, my grandparents uh, used to live in Hartlepool, and Hartlepool in the 1980s was pretty much a lot like Glasgow. It was a former industrial town. A lot of the industry was either closing down or was certainly run down, as was the town itself. Uh, not much investment coming through from governments. A lot of people were unemployed. It was, you know, it was not a great time for some of the northern cities in the United Kingdom. And this is really where Depardon's um, images sort of reason why I like them so much because I, I sort of see a lot of I remember seeing a lot of this when I was a kid you know areas that were run down Glasgow has since had you know been rejuvenated it was a city of culture I think in the mid 1990s um, it's got a great art college you know it's got a great university it's got a great cultural scene it's sort of Phoenix from the ashes, uh, almost. But at the time when these pictures were being taken, um, it wasn't in a great place. But, you know, it, it takes a lot of time to, to get uh, a city back on its feet again. And uh, Glasgow is certainly back on its feet. It's one city, actually, in Scotland that I need to visit. I've never been to Glasgow before. It's certainly when all of this COVID business is out of the way and confined to the, the history books um, but yeah he does a fantastic job Depardieu does a fantastic job of just getting across what it was like in 1980 in not only Glasgow but in an awful lot of cities throughout um, throughout the UK Birmingham Newcastle um where else have we got i mean even even some of the you know um welsh cities uh you know had had their moments basically you're talking uh about a lot of deprivation and uh poverty and fortunately you know there there is still poverty in places like glasgow don't get me wrong but uh at least, you know, the landscape of the city has improved considerably since these pictures were taken. So take a look at those. They're images from 40 years ago, but I think they they are very relevant considering, you know, the financial situation that a lot of us are in at the moment with uh, COVID hitting this year. There's going to be a lot of unemployed and we've got to remember where we were many years ago and... Uh, because, you know, you, you can't forget your history. You've got to remember your history to keep on going forward. 
So take a look at those images of Glasgow because they're absolutely fantastic. The next one I'm going to mention is also from the BBC website. It's my grandfather's hidden wartime photo album. This is about a grandfather who told many stories uh, about the war and his time in the UK with the Canadian Air Force. But he only ever showed one family photo, that of his wedding to uh, a Welsh bride, the the grandmother of uh, Peter Goffin, who uh, got, Peter Goffin is uh, his, his grandfather. Um, and after his grandfather died, he discovered, Peter discovered an album that provided images to accompany the tales that the family knew so well. And apparently the photo album had been hiding in plain sight. Um, it had been tucked into a drawer under a bookcase uh, that Peter had perused hundreds of times and it was just lying there and it had 300 images, 300 photos in it of Peter's grandfather's uh, wartime experience. Now, the interesting thing is about, you know, this album is he was taking photos in the Royal Canadian Air Force and from what I remember the Royal Air Force were quite strict security wise about cameras and using them they didn't like it um, I think you probably might remember the film Memphis Bell where one of the characters in that the radio operator keeps on taking photographs with a box of brownie um, that was actually quite common uh, the US Army Air Force didn't have anywhere near the sort of stringent re regulations that the Royal Air Force did when it came to security. The The Brits generally just didn't like photography during the war, apart from uh, if it was for war um, pur purposes, I suppose you could say. Um, film was very difficult to get ha your hands on anyway. But the great thing is, and it's a shame because these images show um, a life of someone who served with the RAF and managed to make it back. Um, it's covering the years between 1914 and 1945 and it's covering all sorts of aspects of social life, of being with a crew and flying. Um, really of interest to anybody who's interested in World War Two aviation or the Royal Canadian Air Force certainly worth a look there's also some images you know of London and photographs out the the window of bombed areas of London it's it's just a great photographic document of the period and um, I, the thing that just amazes me is that while Peter's grandfather was actually telling the stories I'm slightly surprised that he didn't actually show any of the photographs to sort of like illustrate the uh the story but you know that's just one of those things one of the more interesting aspects i think though is one or two images do make me wonder whether he was taking the photographs rather slyly not particularly the ones that are set up but there's a couple there's one at the top and one at the bottom where they're obviously on a troop ship now no one is looking at the camera 
So either they were all really sort of busy getting on board and just didn't take any notice of anybody uh, shooting with a camera or whether the shots were taken sort of quite slyly uh, while people weren't looking or even with the ca camera sort of maybe slightly hidden, possibly. Um, there's another one that's a bit further down where it's obviously taken on board the ship as well and people, just the way that people are posed and the way that they're, they're looking. He'd obviously got a great eye as a photographer. Um, the framing is absolutely fantastic, but I, I just get the opinion. Oh, apparently this... Let's have a look because the, the the second one that's lower down says near Quebec on the re, on the return journey. So I assume that that was when he was heading back to Canada. Where was the first one? I don't think it actually says. Maybe that was on the return back to Canada. So you know, I mean, if you're going back home after the war, you'd be thinking about a lot of other things and getting your photograph taken uh, wouldn't be particularly be high on your list of important things, would it? But yeah, it's a great collection of images. Take a look at that. You know, it, it just goes to show that you don't have to be a professional photographer to take fo uh, photographs that are important. Um, you know, if it's an interesting subject matter, it doesn't. as long as a picture exists, that's, that's the important thing. Uh, it's just a shame that, you know, the RAF regulations stopped a lot of people from shooting similar stuff. I can understand the reasons why they didn't want it taken, but... Um, sadly, there isn't a huge amount of RAF life in the RAF during the war. There isn't a huge amount of photography that exists. Uh, so this is this is quite important. This uh, collection of images. So the final link I'm going to mention today is about Mexico City. This is from the Magnum website. Jerome Cecini returns to the city where he first became a photographer and is guided only by instinct and deep emotion this is an interesting project about mexico city it's got panoramic photography it's got some a great series of portrait images it's a bit surreal it's a bit street photography it's you know the photographs really do make you think and um, you know some of them are almost slightly shocking i mean there's 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 a photograph of a little girl, she'd only be probably about four or five, but there she is carrying along this. Uh, I think it's a toy rifle. I don't think it's a real one. Um, I mean, it possibly could be a real one, but I would imagine it'd be too heavy for her. But you can never tell. I mean, it, it could be... It, but it does look very real. Um, like I say, I imagine it's a toy one. But it is still quite a shocking image to see, you know, someone um, so small with something like, you know, that little girl. She should have something, you know, a little bit less horrible than a toy gun, especially a really realistic toy gun. It's almost the size of her. In fact, I think if she actually propped it up on its stock, I think it probably would be higher than she is. It would be taller than she was. But it is a great series of images and really it's about the photographer sort of getting back to his roots and rediscovering somewhere that he really enjoyed uh, shooting images uh, about his inspirations, uh, Mexican culture and the things that are going on in Mexico City. And it's it's also a, 
a great series of images that are positive about Mexico rather than, uh, you know, some of the negative stereotypes that we've seen in recent years, uh, certainly been encouraged by some politicians in recent years to sort of demonise Mexico, which is uh, totally wrong. Because, you know, just like any country you know there's all sorts of things going on there good and bad but uh you know often mexico is portrayed in rather a well i suppose in some ways it's it's rather counterintuitive because you know it's sometimes it's uh done in a rather a grim way and then other times they sort of like it's all color and you know music and you know, sort of, um, you know, quite alive. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like this photography. It makes you think, which is important. So take a look at that on the Magnum website. It is Jerome Cicini and his great photography taken in uh, Mexico City. Uh, like I say, it's a real sort of interesting mash of portraits and things and i really do like final word on this i really do like the collection of portraits which are about just over halfway down um with some really lived in faces um you know life is not particularly easy for some people and it comes it comes through in these uh, portrait pictures that are about halfway down it's f fantastic work so that is it for this podcast i shall be back again with the november podcast hopefully at the beginning of next month i'm fingers crossed i want to try and get this one recorded and uploaded within the first couple of weeks of the month rather than it drag on a bit later but i suppose as long as the podcast comes out that's the main thing um like I say, also, uh, probably I might do a special towards the end, sometime in December, maybe early January, when the Two Towns book gets published. I think what I might do with that is if there's a published edition in my hands, I'll just go through it and talk into the microphone and just mention a few of the stories and uh, just talk about the photography. That might be quite quite fun be 10 15 minutes something like that so until the next time thanks very much for downloading and listening and i will be back very soon take care and uh until the next time yeah have uh have a great month <laughs>